In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today, actually, the Gospel from St. John, chapter 6, and this chapter is one of the very important chapters in the Holy Scripture, because in this chapter, the Lord speaks about the Eucharist, communion, eating his body and drinking his blood. The passage is started by the Lord saying, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. Because no one can be saved unless he believes in the Son of God. He is the way, the truth, and the life which means he is the true way to eternal life. No one can be saved because he is the savior of the whole world. If you believe in him, you will be saved. If you will not believe in him, you will not be saved. In John chapter 3, it says, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life but the wrath of God will come upon him. But believing in the Son, it's not just a mental or a mental uh, belief, or just you believe by your heart. This faith should be actually translated into actions. The Son of God died on the cross in order to abolish death in his body. And once he abolished death in his body, if we are united with his flesh, then we can abolish death in our bodies also. That's why the following verse he said, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. He wants to tell us, if you believe in me, and you believe that I am the savior of the world, and I abolished the power of death by my death and my resurrection, then the only way for you to abolish the power of death by united being united with me, by eating my body and drinking my blood, that is the only way. Then he made a comparison between the people of Israel in the wilderness of Sinai and between us in the wilderness of this world. They were in the desert and they were about to die. There is no food, there is no water. But God sent them the manna from heaven to eat it. And they ate it during this 40 days, the, their journey in the wilderness of Sinai. And they survived this journey until they entered the promised land, which is a symbol of the eternal life. Can you imagine if they did not eat the bread, the manna, they would have died in the wilderness. So the manna is a symbol of the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. But the Lord, he made a comparison. 
the manna actually made your body survive you know, the journey in the wilderness of Sinai. And after this, they died. He told them, your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. But me, Jesus is saying, when I give you my body and when I give you my blood, it's not like the manna. You will live eternally. Even if you die physically, you will rise again because you are united with the life-giving flesh of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why he said, this is, and I imagine Jesus was pointing to himself, this is the bread, bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. One may eat of it and not die. And we know that this physical death is not death. It is just a departure. If you partake of his body and drink of his blood, you will never die. Even the physical death, you will uh, abolish it in the second resurrection, and you will rise and live eternally with God. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread I shall give is my flesh, which I shall, shall give for the life of the world. And here he made a connection between communion and resurrection. Why God, God can give us anything to eat it, but why he said, I will give you my flesh and my blood to eat and to drink. Why? Why in particular his flesh and why in particular his blood? The Lord took our humanity and in this humanity he actually abolished the power of death, the power of sin, the corruption and the curse. He carried our sins and he became a curse when he was hung on the cross. So in his body, in his body and in his blood, he abolished the power of death, the power of sin, the corruption and the curse. So now his body, if we are united with him, then we will abolish these four things. No corruption, we will live eternally. No curse, we will be saved. No sin, we will be able to be united with him. And no death, we will live forever. That's why he said, the bread that I shall give is my flesh, this flesh which I shall give for the life of the world. When actually the Jews heard this, all what they concerned about how, how can we eat his flesh and how can we drink his blood? And yes, it's a very important question, how? But what is impossible for men is possible with God. As God was able to took our humanity without the seed of man and was born of a virgin, then actually God can also change 
a regular blesh, regular bread and wine into his body and his blood. But the Lord did not answer about how. It's a mystery. And the people should accept it by faith. That's why he did not answer how. The, the quarrel among themselves was, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So the Lord avoided answering this question. But on the covenant Thursday, the answer was given by blessing the bread and blessing the wine and transforming and changing them into his body and his blood and gave to his disciples saying, take, eat, this is my body. Take, drink, this is my blood. But the Lord emphasized on the importance of eating his body and his blood. This was his answer. He told them, most assuredly I say to you, unless, and unless is a condition, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. You have no life in you. And I wonder how our uh, brethren, the Protestant, how they interpret this verse. Unless, because they don't believe that the bread and wine change into body and blood. How they believe that they can be saved without partaking of his body and his blood. John chapter 6, the verses are very clear. Unless you eat um, the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. And he repeated in several ways, but the same message. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. My flesh is food indeed. My blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. So this repetition is very important. The Lord here is saying that the only way, the only way to be raised in the last day and the only way to be saved is through Eucharist. If you don't partake of his body and his blood, you have no actually uh, eternal life. Actually, in the divine liturgy, there are two fractions uh, for the resurrection. The one that is very common, it speaks about what happened on the resurrection, how the Lord appeared to Mary Magdalene, and then he appeared to the disciples and gave them the breath of the Holy Spirit, etc. But there is another one which is not common, but the other one actually is a very theological fraction. And in this one, there is a connection between the Eucharist and the Resurrection. We say in it, O Christ our God, the High Priest of the good things to come, the High Priest of eternal life, King of the ages, the immortal, he is the immortal. So when we are united with him, also we will not die. The everlasting, the Logos of God who is above all. 
who granted us this great mystery, which is his holy body and his precious blood for the forgiveness of our sins. His holy body and his precious blood for the forgiveness of our sins. So communion not only for eternal life, but also it's given for the forgiveness of our sins. Then the fraction continues and says, this is the body, this is the body which he took from our lady, the lady of us all, Saint Mary, and made it one with his divinity. Why there is emphasis about he made it one with his divinity? Because this flesh became life-giving flesh because of the union with the divinity, the union between the humanity and divinity. This is, this is Jesus, the body. Jesus is he, of course Jesus did not descend with his body to Hades, he descended with his spirit, but this is his human spirit, but the human soul returned to the body. This is he who descended into Hades, abolished the power of death, led captivity, those who were taken captive by Satan. He took them and gave gifts to men. What gifts he gave us? The gift of the Holy Spirit. All of us, we receive the Holy Spirit. He lifted his sins up on high with him when he transferred them into the paradise of joy. And this is beautiful. And gave them, he gave these sins as gifts to his father, as as gift to his father. So we are offered as sacrifice, as gift to the father. Means what? The father sent his son with a mission. Save my children in the world. So the son came, fulfilled the mission, and he saved us. Then he presented us as gift for the father. Like, for example, if there is a child who is kidnapped, and then the police said to the father, don't worry, we will get your son. So they went, fulfilled the mission, rescued the son, took him, and then they presented the son that was taken as captive, they presented him as a gift to the father, to, to, to his parents. In the same way, Jesus took the sins and presented them as gifts to his father. Through his tasting of death, he tasted this for our sake. He saved those who are alive and reposed those who have died. So all of us, we are saved. And those who are dead physically, they are reposed, means they are in peace until the second coming, then they will uh, be raised. Before resurrection, they were eager in, in Hades. They, they don't know when this will happen. But now after the resurrection of Christ, they are in peace. He reposed those who have died. And we too, who are still here alive, who were sitting in darkness before Christ for a season, he granted us the light of his resurrection through his holy incarnation. We were in darkness, we were blind, but now by his resurrection we were enlightened. 
May the illumination of your true knowledge shine upon us that we may shine with your living image. So that's a beautiful fraction that we say it during the 50 days. And it links between the resurrection and between the uh, eternal life. The last point I want to emphasize here that when you read John chapter 6 or 1 Corinthians chapter 11 or in the Gospels when the Lord gave his body and his blood, there are two separate actions. Two separate actions. One action is eating his body and the other action is drinking his blood. Never ever you read in the Bible they mix these two actions together. Why? Why there is emphasis? Take, eat, this is my body. Take, drink, this is my blood. Jesus offered himself as a sacrifice. And in a sacrifice, there is shedding of blood. So the blood actually becomes separate from the flesh, from the body. That's a sacrifice. So, the blood of Jesus should be given separate to the body in order to say, yes, he offered himself as a sacrifice. That's why the church emphasizes on these two actions. Take, eat, this is my body. Take, drink, this is my blood. The only exception just for practicality when somebody is sick, so they give the two together, just for practical reasons, because it's difficult to carry the chalice and the uh, body, you know, when you go and, and give communion to people. But the only way to partake of his body and his blood is as the Lord Jesus Christ said several times in John chapter 6 and also on Covenant Thursday, take, eat, this is my body, take, drink, this is my blood. That is the only way to partake of his holy body. So, we thank God that he gave us his body and his blood in order to be united with him. And through this union, we have eternal life. But when we approach the table of the Lord, we need to approach with a repentant heart. Because the St. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, if you approach the table of the Lord unworthily, you will be guilty of the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not discerning, not understanding, not acknowledging what you are eating and what you are drinking. What you are eating and drinking is the body and the blood of the Son of God. That's why we need to approach the table of the Lord worthily. Worthily means with repentant heart. That's why the sacrament of confession is very, very important before uh, partaking his blood and his blood. Uh, as the Lord washed the feet of the disciples, which is a symbol of repentance and confession, before giving them his blood and his blood, it's very important to repent to practice the sacrament of confession. Some people will tell you, no, 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 there is no need for sacrament of confession. And they will deceive you and tell you, 
sacrament of confession has nothing to do with the forgiveness of sins. This is deception. Read the Gospel of St. John when the Lord said, If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. I want you to be uh, have discernment. So when somebody teaches you false teaching, you need actually to be able to know that this is a false teacher and actually to stand against the false teaching, not just to follow blindly anybody tells you anything. You need actually to have the discernment to be enlightened with the true knowledge of Christ and to be able to discern between the false teaching and the truth that's revealed to us in the scripture. May the Lord enlighten us with the true knowledge of his uh, resurrection and the effects of the resurrection in our life. And glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.